I'm Sarona Volta, and I'm excited to bring you Hype Women, the podcast. I was born in South Africa, raised on the East Coast in a small, sleepy city called Durban. But now I live in Bonn, the former capital of Germany. Over the years, I've met some fascinating women with inspiring stories. And so I thought, why not share them with you? Today, friends, we chat to pro snowboarder and first-time filmmaker Anna Flora Marxer. Anna Flora started snowboarding as soon as she could walk. In 2011, she won the Freeride World Tour. Marxer is a spokeswoman for gender equality and the role of women in action sports. In 2018, she directed her debut film called A Land Shaped by Women. The film brings to life a much-needed feminine narrative to the world of outdoor sports while showcasing many unstoppable women who fought for gender parity in Iceland. A Land Shaped by Women was selected in over 120 film festivals and won 19 awards worldwide, proving that there is no mountain high enough for this changemaker. Welcome, Anna Flora Marxer. If I'm pronouncing that correctly, maybe you want to do a pronunciation? Well, my first name is Anne-Fleur, which is French-based. And then my last name is Marxer, or Marxer, but that's from Liechtenstein, because I'm also Liechtensteinerin. And that anyone who speaks German would say it better than myself. Anne-Fleur Marxer is my name. Tell me a little bit more about yourself. I, I just introduced about your film and just to let everyone know so I was on the plane from South Africa coming back to Germany in February that's how I watched the film and I'm really passionate about women empowerment and gender equality when I saw this film I was just really really blown away by the quality of the interviews the cinematography and and just the fact that you're actually a pro a snowboarder and you made this film and I thought oh my god how did she do that that's so crazy yeah um so how did you get into snowboarding so my family we are all very passionate about the mountains and I have to say all my cousins on both sides of my mother and my father mm-hmm. as well as my dad and my uncles and everyone was involved in the skiing world they all competed in the national teams they, everyone's really passionate about the mountain and my father my brother and I we always went off-piste because my dad was one of the first persons to go more off-piste than really only do slaloms and stuff like that. I guess that's how I got the vibe for sliding down the mountain. That's really, you know, that was something that was part of the family habits and passion. And then I was a bit diff or more rebellious than the other cousins of my family that loved doing racing. Me, I just never liked competition and I just loved being in the outdoors and being in the mountains. I like going fast and I like going steep and I just like challenging myself. Somehow, instead of putting that into competition skiing, I uh, chose another side of the mountain and I loved the freedom that offered snowboarding for because it was just a new sport, a young sport. And at the time, competitions didn't really exist the way it does for other sports. And so it offered more freedom and a bit uh, more room for adventure. And it was more of a lifestyle than a competing thing. So that's why I liked snowboarding versus skiing. And my love for the mountain just carried away on the different uh, thing than skiing. But I still love skiing. And I did at the beginning and the end of the winter, I always skiing and then snowboarding in the powder and then skiing in the icy stuff and I just 
I just enjoy it. It's really interesting because I, I come from South Africa, so I never really experienced a proper winter until I moved to Germany. I also still remember the first time I experienced snow here. I do not manage well in the cold. But again, like, you know, when I watched this film, it, it just made me so curious. And so I really was just like, wow, these women are doing this in this crazy cold conditions. Like just as uh, how cold it does it, did it get when you guys filmed this movie? It's just normal. You know, you're talking to someone who uh, I spent my all my life, all the winters of my life in the mountains and cold environments. But yes, Iceland or yes, it is winter cold. But, but in Iceland, you cannot predict the weather because there is no higher mountains. There is a massive glacier in, in Iceland, but it's not a high peak. So it's not blocking the mountains. It's an island in the middle of the Atlantic in the middle, like halfway between the US and Europe, but it doesn't block the weather. So the clouds, they pass by and then they just keep going. So that means in the same day, uh, the, the weather might change. <laughs> like I, I always say that there is seven seasons in the same day in Iceland. And that's something that I found really refreshing because, you know, we, we get so used to think, oh, today is a nice weather. Okay, I'm going to wear a spring outfit and oh, today it's raining. So ooh, it's cold. But then it's putting you in a mood for the whole day. And you kind of get stuck in it and you plan with it. You think, oh, okay, today is a nice day. So today I can do something fun outside. Oh, today's a bad day. I'm going to stay inside. But in Iceland, it's, it's that refreshing that you go out in the morning and then you can see, oh, yeah, it's red. It's, it's, you know, it's blue sky. Oh, that's great sunshine. Then you go into the, you know, to get some bread and you come out and it's like, it's hailing. And, it's, and then, you know, like a, a, two hours later, it's cleared up again. And so the weather changes all the time. It's something that's really uh, struck me that matches uh, the mindsets of the Icelandic people, that they're always happy with what they get. So in a way, oh, well, you always get this surprise in a, it's something positive. You go out, it's like, Oh, now it's sunny. Oh, now it's... And also when you're inside, we tend to be really focused on what we're doing. We tend to totally forget what's going on outside of what we're concentrating on. I found it really nice actually to just be more connected with what was going on outside and you have to adjust instead of fighting it or being so certain of what it's going to be like. You just adjust to what you find. And then I like that, that side of it, spontaneity. Yeah. yeah, that sounds really cool. So where are you based? If you're, I mean, apart from the movie that was made in Iceland, yeah, where do you normally live? So I live in Switzerland, close to Lausanne. So it's close to Geneva on the lake. Yes. But uh, as I said, I'm, I'm Swiss, I'm French, ich bin Liechtensteinerin, and my grandmother's from Austria. Wow. So, and I spend a lot of my, of my time in France too because I love surfing and the mountains, you know, for me, the borders where I live, the other side of the lake is France. The other side of Le Jura, it's France again. If I drive two hours, I'm in Liechtenstein and it's Austria yeah. and then you have great mountains in Austria. And then you, you, you know, like from Austria, you're super close to Germany. And then like, so I'm in the, really in the heart of Europe. So it's like making everything super close. And I just, I travel a lot, you know, I follow the snow. So I'm not stuck to one side of a border or another besides right now at the time, right now, because now it's, confinement time so yes now we are stuck <laughs> and it's interesting because that really is um is the way of seeing the world that i dislike i like to think that we can go to places if we want to and uh, imagining a world that we might not be able to do that is putting me in a struggling mindset <laughs> to think oh how i would like if we were stuck in one place not being able to travel the world as I've had the amazing luck to do for all my life. 
This is also what I found really interesting about Europe is just this ability to travel really easily and quickly between countries. I, I also really love that. And I think I miss that as well. But it's funny that what you said, you follow the snow and I follow the sun. <laughs> but uh, coming back to our questions, what has it been like, you know, as a um, entering competitions as a woman in a male dominated sport? And tell me about some of your challenges. When I started snowboarding, when I, well, actually, when I got into the snowboarding world, which was when I was around 16, 17. So as I said, it was the start of the competitions. And then back then, me, I was doing slope style. Slope style, we find that in the Olympics now. So now we, more people know what it is, but it's pretty much when you have a snow park in a resort. So that's why you have jumps. Mm -hmm. And so slope style, it was freestyle. And it was what I was doing with all my friends. But then... Women, we were not allowed to compete in those competitions. They said, oh, it's too dangerous for women. Even though I was doing the same with all my friends and I was the one girl of the group, but all of a sudden on competitions, I was not allowed to participate. Or I did competitions with guys because they didn't have a women's category. So I did, I competed with guys. Mm -hmm. And luckily for me, I was actually handling myself in guys' competition. But uh, that's where it all started. And at that time, me, I was young and I was motivated. And I thought, oh, I just got to show what I'm capable of. And then it's going to work the same. And it works for my friends. They all, you know, they sponsors and all that. When I actually got hit to the reality, it was that competitions just said, it's too dangerous for women, which was just not right. It didn't make any sense. It was all the biggest competitions. So there's places where I went and I did a petition. I asked all the other professional snowboarders all around the world, all the best ones, like, uh, would you, would you want to be writing that competitions? And pretty much like they all said yes. So I had like 16 names that said, yes, I would, yes, I would love to, to jump that jump. And so I made, I went to the event and I, I went with that petition. I went in the public. People thought, what women are are able to jump this jump and they were really surprised if you first thing on the on those events you had 50 percent of the public were women and as another fact when you look at all the merchandising they were selling on the events they were actually selling more women's t-shirts than men's but the competition was only showcasing guys jumping and women were not allowed to participate so i did petitions i did articles and and more importantly i actually participated in in very important moments in the decision making of the future of the sport sometimes you just need a different backgrounds of people of experience yeah. to actually bring all those informations in because if you only have guys thinking one way taking all the decisions they tend to just they're not uh, living the same reality or they just don't see it because they're trying to organize their things and they forget, you know, they forget about women and they forget about the things that they don't get across, go across. That was just the start for me of, uh, so I did 18 years of career as a professional snowboarder and I did 18 years of pushing, sometimes fighting, sometimes at, at least all the time arguing about how it was important to include women and to actually bring equal prize money on the competitions. Because when you're a woman, when you travel, the traveling expenses are not less expensive if you're a woman than if you're a man. Exactly. So if you want to be the one organization that's going to speak about the sport to the whole white world, when you go on the mountains, you have just as many women. Snowboarding and skiing counts 40% of women participants. So it's a sport that has so many women participating. Mm -hmm. And so if they wanted to represent the sport to a brighter public, they had to include the women. And if they wanted their world title to actually show the best athletes, they had to make sure on the women, just as much as on the men, that women would get, a woman that would win a competition at the end of Finland would get enough money to go 
would win enough money to actually fund her travel to the next competition, that would be the European Open. The one who would win the European Open, she would need to have enough money to go to the Nippon Open in Japan, to go to the US Open, to all those travel that cost so much money. Showing them that, yes, a trip, like an airplane ticket, is just as expensive as when you're a woman. The hospital bills, like everything that includes a professional or even just traveling to do the competitions, it needed to be equal so women could participate to the events around the world and their world title would show the best level of the sport itself. And that were the, the arguments that uh, convinced the snowboarding freestyle organization to bring women in and to actually get equal prize money for women. When I was younger, let's say, when I was 22. And then after that, I, me, it was, I never did so much competition. I did, but then I was not allowed to. I was in the big videos that were showing the best of the sport because uh, my sport, like all the image sports, it was really based on our video segments where you could actually see how someone is riding. That was the best way to tell if someone was better than another one. And mm -hmm. that's what the media were talking about, the one that I had the biggest video segment. That was pretty much what I've been mainly doing in my years of snowboarding, traveling the world in further mountains, in expedition, like not expedition, but in a you know, more adventurous way in the wilderness. There too, you know, there was always many guys and I was very often the only woman. And that, so that's why it was really important to actually have women's video from time to time, but they always struggled to get enough uh, financial uh, support. So I was spending all my time in mountains and then at some point, but I was traveling so much at the time, I was a lot in the US and a lot all around the world. And at some point I was just, I needed to reconnect with Europe and I came back and here we have uh, those uh, free ride competitions and when i arrived on the free ride competitions the same thing happened i realized that they were treating they had exposed women in skiing and snowboarding outside of the professional tour we were only competing on the qualifying series where women had got excluded they had big prize money they were in big hotels they were invited they had like big stuff going on big press being celebrated yeah and on the women's, we were only allowed to compete on the qualifying series where they were, you were not, there was no lodging. You had to pay to participate to a competition. You had to pay for insurance yeah. extra to the price of competing. You had to pay for your lift pass. And when you won the competition, even as the one who won it, you didn't want, win enough money to reimburse what it cost you to go there. Yeah, so it was like you were donated into the competition. Pretty much at that time, I just realized that I could make a change for the better. I decided that's why I did those competitions because me, I never liked competitions. But I knew that if you participate and if you win, then you actually get a right to talk because you get the mic. That was really the reason why I did that because I thought, okay, well, you know, like it's not right to just put women out. Yeah. So I just did those competitions that one year in 2011. That was motivation. And at the end of that, I actually won my world title and I got all the press to talk about the inequalities in my sport or in sports in general. And to actually really put pressure on the organization with the sponsors that all agreed that they wanted the competition to be better organized for women, to actually make that organization bring women back on the tour and this year they announced equal prize money for men and women wow. on the free ride competitions. So in my life, I went through two big different parts of my sport, which is very different. Yes. And in both times, I got to go from one place where we we're not allowed to compete or I like really pushed outside of the sport to actually re-include or include women and get to the equal prize money in freestyle. And then later, same thing happened with free riding. So if I have one message to tell 
everyone out there is when you feel like you can participate to bringing some positive changes to something that you're concerned about, you know, something that's, that you know a bit about, that's something that you like, that you love, get involved because when you get involved and when you actually participate in that positive change, you know, yes, it is very frustrating because it's, it's hard when people don't see their spectrum is not open yet, but with time people understand and then you actually are able to change things for the better. So go for it. How do you push forward even in those times when it was frustrating? I mean, because you didn't give up. And for a lot of people, a lot of women as well, it's just easier to not fight. And you decided that you were going to do the harder thing and you were going to stand up and fight. And, and even through this movie, I find that it's such a powerful voice. And just like having the story told by women, for me, it just really blew my mind. I was actually in tears by the end of it. What would you say to women who are in this situation and they're struggling? And for a lot of women, like I said, it's just easier to not fight, to just walk away. What inspired you? What pushed you to keep going? There is one thing that we need to understand. You know, when we talk about difference in salaries between men and women, that, you know, in Europe, it's 23%. And we have to understand that number has not changed in 20 years. You know, the thing is like, we always think, or we always hear, or we, we imagine that things will get better with time. Things don't get better with time. We make things better through time, but it's mm. up to us to make the society that we want to live in. Yes. Because, you know, and it's, there's something that's really to understand. Well, okay, the, the hard part when you're that one person that's actually really fighting for something to change, change it's hard because people are going to point at you and people might say negative, see it negative ways. But it's one thing when you say nothing, the silence, it profits the bad side of things. And there's something very special and really motivating and wonderful when you're actually putting your energy into building something positive. Yes. And that is something that's really incredible. And to go back to the film, somehow for me, after having to fight for so many years, even though I was doing something that was positive for all of us, you know, to make this film for me was a way to reconnect to why I was fighting so hard, fighting so hard to just remind people, Hey, it's something that's just, it can also be beautiful. It can also be evaluated. We can also dream of beautiful things as women and we can all accomplish beautiful things. Cause that's the other thing, you know, okay, I'm world champion. Um, You can say, yes, you know, I like to uh, do stuff that is very heroic behavior stuff. At the end of the day, it's not about, yes, I can do that because I'm a world champion so that I get, I have the right to speak. No, it's when I was starting to fight for women, I was 17. I was nobody. I was just really interested in the surrounding that I was in. And I understood that, you know, like if we were more to speak up in an earlier stage, it would be easier to bring those changes. And if everyone's like doing a little part for anything to change, we can't wait for someone to fall off the sky and actually just organize everything. We just, if we all do a little part on, on our level, that's how we actually make positive change. When everyone's understanding, oh yeah, I can do that. That's going to help a little bit. And, you know, I can be talking about it in a very uh, global way, but I'm not going to be there in every small resort to give motivation to women or to just show them I can't be at all levels. So I need for my speech to be heard. I need that idea to also travel at all levels And that's the important. We all can contribute to a positive change in our surroundings. 
when and how did the idea for the documentary come about? And maybe tell us more about like the practical parts of putting this film together. Were you like the funding and the woman involved? How did you source whom to interview? And yeah, and how long did it take? from like start till the end of the fight. I was just really tired of fighting in that fighting mode in that environment that was very heavily men driven even though I have nothing against men but you know if they were open minded and actually included women in the in the decision making process that would actually have you know all my energy was positive but then every competition it was a struggle. I did um altogether I did three or four years of competitions out of 18 years, right? And then that one year in 2017 I was competing and then in January, I had heard on the radio, Iceland has passed a new law that is forcing businesses to prove that they pay women and men equally. Well, there is more to that. But when I heard that on the news, I was like, oh, there is mountains in Iceland. Yeah. <laughs> there is good snow or enough to go snowboarding. Yeah. So then I really just got curious. And then the more I thought of it through that year of competition, the, you know, the more I would get interested into that Icelandic culture or just the yeah. view of the gender equality. And I saw, okay, it was, it was the number one ranked country in the world for gender equality for nine years in a row. So I started looking into it. And by the end of the year, on the last competition, the biggest one. What year was that? 2017. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so 2017, I was competing and the, the last competition, it was every time we had to struggle, please, uh, you know, please, can we also start from the same place as men? We got 50% uh, of the prize money of men. They never listened to our request. They always, we always had to start at the, big, the very end of the competition. So that means in, the guys would get like perfect powder fills, so really nice, no perfect for jumping cliffs, going fast. And, you know, that's how you can show how good you are and you can actually uh, make it look good. And then women, we had to go after all the men and they were like twice as many or three times as many men as women on those competitions. So they put the men first and there's so many men at the end of it as women, you get to start and there's tracks all around. The, yeah. Like the, the, the face is really bad. There is no more light. It's all getting colder. So the snow goes really, then you cannot enjoy it and you cannot actually show what you're capable of. There are many tracks everywhere. And I was just so tired of that. It's funny because... I did that last competition of the year. I happened to win it. That year I got second on the world tour. <laughs> the next day I got on the plane and I went to Iceland. I called my friend Aline on that first year in 2017. It's like, I'm just getting on the plane tomorrow. I want to go check out Iceland. I told her about all I had discovered and I thought, you know, like I have, let's just go. I need, a, let's, I need to change my mind. So let's do it. Let's just go. So the next day I was on a plane. I'm going to Iceland and we had a first little trip of one week or actually 10 days. And then we got to see the mountains, we got to discover the area, we got to meet the Icelandic women, we got to see how beautiful Iceland was, how the mountains were appealing. They were waves and we both surf. So, and I was like, wow, this was quite incredible. So on my way back from that, that summer of 2017, I got so interested into the recent history of Iceland, of Iceland to understand how they actually became such a better place for gender equality. So I actually pulled out all the dates that I thought were appealing to the trajectory. And the more I knew, the more I found it it's so interesting and the more I wanted to know. And I really got like sucked in yeah. that research, which is uh, something that I do present uh, sports events for the live webcasts. And so that's what I do when I prepare my interviews. I go look at subjects that are you know, like I like digging stuff. And so then I called Valine again. I was like, well, how about we just go and spend the whole winter next year in Iceland? Because it's not a film that I wrote and then I went and I did the images. Yeah. 
you know it's something i wanted to live for myself i wanted to find i needed to find inspiration myself because i was just so tired of having to fight all the time and that one first trip it also showed me that inspiration i received from the Icelandic women the best way to pass it on like making a film was a way to share it with everyone that would get to see the film because you have to remember that all the films that we're talking about mountains or snowboarding they always put men on the screen and it's like you know like you put the camera in front of the hero and they say oh the the weather is really challenging it's really dangerous but somehow the guy makes it to the top and you know I'm so strong because I make it and everyone's clapping and it's great. And I just got fed up with that rhetoric because, I, you know, the mountains is, is a place that's beautiful, but when you talk about it only to show how strong I am or, you know, it was my specialty. So, hey, I can ride the same jumps and I can go as steep and fast, which you don't see in the film. Huh? Yeah, that's not what you did, you know. Oh. Like, it was such a beautiful like flow between the stories and the cinematography and the slopes and that was just so amazing so yeah you know like so the narrative i wanted to bring a new narrative I was like well okay as a professional snowboarder and my friend aline we got some of our sponsors on board to help us finance our trip to go to iceland uh you know got some like she had a, an amazing van so we drove all the way to the north of Denmark we took the ferry so you know so we could be in the van and we could live in Iceland in the van for the whole winter and then we hired part, I was wondering how that was happening I was like oh my goodness these guys are like sleeping in the van these women are sleeping yeah. in the van <laughs> but it's true that we actually had a beautiful van that was you know like all equipped like it was incredible like it was a sunlight beautiful van with uh, all the Thule accessories and everything we had it's actually it's really five-star van let's say like that so did you but, have heating <laughs> sorry what heating uh high school oh yeah we actually did but then we crossed some other guys that were sleeping on the floor of their van with nothing and i actually have a really good friend who does that he spends the winter in Iceland in his car not even the place where he actually can lay down. He's just in his car in the coldest weather. He goes surfing every day without heating or anything. He just has a water boiler that he puts on his head when he comes out of the water. So, you know, and there's something very special to that too. And I really admire it. But in our case, we actually had a nice van and we uh, hired a camping car. You know, we could travel because as I said, the weather changes all the time in Iceland. And we, you cannot predict when you do something like this about the weather. You cannot say, oh, this part is going to get big snow and this one. So we wanted to be able to uh, react to the weather forecast, whether it, well, not forecast, but the weather itself. You know, if it snows there, we need to be able really quick to drive and to go to where the snow is. And if the waves show up somewhere, we also need to find the waves. Out of two months and a half, we always had one cameraman and one photographer. And they would stay in the camping car. And we'd stay in the van and we'd move to where we thought it could snow more. That year, it didn't snow at all, which was frustrating, putting anxiety because, you know, when, you do, when you're a sports person and then people think your film's going to come out, everyone's going, like people are going there to see how to judge you on your sports skills, let's say. For me, while we were there, it is true that I was getting a bit tense. We couldn't do anything that was snowboarding wise. But at the same time, I didn't want to put the camera in front of my face. Already, I wanted to give the, the mic to those Icelandic women. I wanted to put several women on the screen. I wanted to really represent who they are as Icelandic women. So in the end, even though for me it was hard to deal with it while we were in Iceland, that it didn't snow at all, or really not much, yeah. it actually 
worked out pretty good because it forced to it pretty much forces uh, when you watch the film and actually it is showing you know if you don't are not used to the mountains you, you know, there might be some things that you learned like for example did you hear about snowboard that you can split in half to go up the mountains so right. someone who does know about mountains in a way it's just showing those sides and also what i wanted to show is not how dangerous and testosterone I wanted to show, hey, the reason why we go to the mountains is because it's beautiful, because I wanted to show that it's available. Like, I don't know if the word, I'm going to keep available for now. But just because when you only talk about how dangerous it is, some mostly men will go, oh yeah, we're going to do that because we're men. And the, the result of, of that narrative is that when you go to Iceland or anywhere else in the world to go, or actually, you know, most places else in the world, when you go to the mountains, you see many men that actually you know, they decided, oh, let's go on a trip to Iceland to go um, mountaineering or just on the mountains. Actually, the reality, the mountains in Iceland, they're really not that high. They're really easy access and you have beautiful views. And the impact when you only show men on, on the screen doing stuff that is so scary, then you scare pretty much almost all the women out, but also a big part of the men. Yeah. I also wanted to show, hey, women, we can also do it. And, and the reason why we do it, it's because it's beautiful, because of all the magical moments we live on the mountains. And that's what I wanted to show. So in that sense, the fact that there was no snow was a good way to actually bring, to link all those, so that the focus would be the Icelandic women. Yeah. And somehow it was our travel that we were following. So through that following, you can see that we are there to enjoy it. Yet the focus is on them and not on us. So that's, and also on the landscape, because I mean, the other thing about Iceland is it, it is beautiful. In the end, it was probably a good thing that there was no snow. And also, you know, if I had gone to Iceland to only show snowboarding, I would have come back with nothing. The fact that I went to Iceland on that topic or on something separate from it to yes. tell, that made it interesting. Because I wasn't, that's what I was looking for. I was looking to see the impact of the historical event in Iceland and see what it had led to the Icelandic women of today. And the only way to do that was to actually be there and get surrounded by that positive feminist culture and see what gender equality can do. And for the rest of the world and the rest of Europe, because I read in the interview that you had in Forbes, I think you mentioned it was discovering this positive feminist culture in Iceland that is understood as being positive that we don't really have elsewhere. If I talk about Europe, for example, if you are someone who wants to bring changes in your surroundings or society, everyone is looking at you as someone who is disturbing. I think the biggest change is when we take the confidence in mm. ourselves. For us to understand that we actually have a role to play in, in where the society is going. I feel like we have handwritten from so much from the past generations. Mm. You know, the rights of vote, the, like there's so much stuff that happened like in recent history and the thing is like women really had to fight for it it was a massive struggle and they really had to fight for it what i find interesting if you look at the history of the feminist movement pretty much all social movements were started by women angry women who needed to change the world yeah because it's also the um, inequality just as women so it's a discrimination because when an equal inequality is touching one particular part of the population or for like gender it is a discrimination yeah. and the fact that when you're confronted to a discrimination you get more aware of discriminations altogether and the thing that you want to bring positive changes i never did it for myself because i actually never i don't even compete it's like you, you, it's bringing you a wider vision because you experience a situation through 
one aspect of it that's not being considered. And when you bring that to the table, you actually get uh, more aware of all the other discriminations that could apply. In that sense, it's really interesting to see how women have fought for so many things, but actually fought for everyone in their specific case. And that's something that I find really inspiring when I see women that bring positive changes that they bring to such a wider audience than themselves. And that, that I find really inspiring. I got a lot that question if I found myself alone fighting for women in my sport. And yeah, it's true that I did that a lot, but I was never really totally alone, but I did so much. And in the, in the end, there's not so many other women in my sports that actually yeah. spoke up and did anything. But what I found really interesting in, in other sports, I could find always one other woman that was fighting in that same direction. Mm-hmm. And that is something that's really powerful to show. Like today, if I look, we have, um, we, we now, well, actually, I mean, they, they now got equal salary in surfing. And that's a group of women. And one of them, Corrie Schumacher, she's so incredible. She's, she's been a world champion longboard surfer who uh, refused to go compete at the world championship in China because she knew that it was organized by the Chinese government and the Chinese government is very far from supporting women, especially so, you know, standing her ground. And then what she did after that, she built a museum in California that retraced the history of surfing to show that some of the first images that some of the first photographs of surfing was actually women longboarding in Hawaii because at the time it was America trying to get more people to go live in Hawaii so they showed all those pictures of women longboarding together in Hawaii and we forget because after that the sport has become so male such a male environment and we only see male in pictures but look the first photographs that we saw were actually women and then today she is an incredible like politicians in Carlsbad and they actually got Together, they, they, like they had a group of women that has been fighting for equality. I'm not going to tell you the whole story because it's very long, but long story short, it was a, a really strong battle between the WSL and that group of surfers to actually bring women on the big wave tour. And they actually got the WSL to bow down and agree to bring equal prize money on all their competitions across. And where I really thank Corrie Schumacher is that her being a politician, politician now, they actually get to extend that to all sports in all California, that California, any sports event that want to happen in California has to offer equal competition prize, prize no matter no matter the sport, no matter the level, they have to bring equal prize money. And, and that is in the, into the law today. And that's thanks to her. If you look at uh, skateboarding, so skateboarding, I'm going to talk about Valeria Chichichian. She's just an amazing human being. And she just started like getting women to gather together in all the cities in the world to actually start longboarding, skateboarding in all the main places. And then she just built this really big net international all around the world of women that gather together to go longboard skateboarding. And by doing that, she pretty much saved the whole industry of skateboarding because the industry of skateboarding was just like crashing. Nobody was starting to skateboard anymore. But then there's so many women that started longboarding because they, because of what she had created pretty much and just to be together and just enjoy another way of doing a certain sort of sport to relaunch the whole industry through that type of snowboarding and uh, skateboarding. And, and Valeria is uh, today, she's uh, running a, you know, that big thing where she just always participate in different programs with associations for women empowerment and just to support and really 
it's amazing what she does. And what I see today is that we were friends like throughout those years. And then today to just think back of what we all have accomplished, but in a parallel to each other. Parallel, yeah, field, yeah. It's quite amazing to think that the very handful of us have been just by doing these things that, that we love, that matter to us, we actually got to bring such positive changes for the next generations of all girls and women. And that's something that I'm really thankful that I got to participate in, you know, to think that, yeah, at least I tried my best and I'm, I'm so happy I did. You speak about confidence, like using your confidence. What about people who are not so confident? And, and I mean, I think this is the thing that a lot of women struggle with is self-doubt. Like, sure, we know that things are not equal. We know that we need to fight. But how do you overcome the self-doubt? Or did you ever experience self-doubt when you were producing this film? Did you ever think, oh man, like, who's going to watch this? Uh, about the film itself, no, I didn't care about what the world would think of it. I just, I needed to go there. I just wanted to be there. And I went and I, I did it and it's only on the way back. I thought, okay, now I have to make a film. I know nothing about the filmmaking. Well, I just wanted to answer the confidence question because I thought that that's interesting in a way. I have wanted, right? Women start doing sports. Everyone should do sports. But sports doesn't have to be something that's tiring and difficult and all that right? Me, I do sports because I enjoy, but I don't do sports that are difficult to feel like you're sweating and it's really difficult. No, I do sports that bring so much joy. Think about it. I snowboard, I surf, I go out in the mountains, whether it's hiking. I just love those moments. And it's not about being good at it. Actually, the best thing about for confidence, I'm going to tell you a story. Okay. So mountains for me was always really easy because I come from the mountains, but then after when I was 25, I just got so fed up with the mountain and the industry of my sport because it's when your career, it's like it becomes really heavy with so much pressure. People expect things from you and it's really heavy. I needed to find inspiration and I needed to change something. So that one summer, because at the time I was doing winter here and then winter in the southern atmosphere and then back and it was winter to winter to winter. I got tired. And so that winter, that once first, that one summer, I decided, okay, I'm doing a break. I'm not going to go to the mountains summer. I'm actually going to go to the ocean and I'm going to go to the sunshine and I'm just going to take a break. And I got to the, I went to the beach and that's when I, you know, I thought, Oh, I should, Oh, surfing. Yeah, let's try. And then surfing was, you think snowboarding, surfing, there's similarities, but no, when you grew up in the mountains, you never, I never got experience with the waves, with the oceans, like a brand new environment that I didn't know nothing about. And surfing was so hard. Surfing is one of the most difficult sports to learn. I do many, many sports and uh, surfing is really the one thing that was difficult, but that's why I liked it because at some point I had to surrender. I had to stop thinking of myself that I needed to be good at everything I did. And I had to accept, okay, well now I just can play and I just can forget about being good, just like enjoy the moment. So then I, I went, I went, I would go surfing, but I would just go play in the waves and I would have fun. And then, and then it was really this mindset of thinking, okay, when you allow yourself to just be new at something and just be curious about it and just trying, well, when you're a beginner at a sport, yes, it is difficult because you don't know, but it's also exciting and fun, you know, especially being at the beach in the water. And then every little step that you're going to do something that you were not able to do before is just first, it's so joyful. It's putting a smile up on your face. You can be so excited about it because you understand why, how hard it was to get to it. But then when you do it, 
you just, it's such a magical thing that it puts the smile on your face for such a long period of time. Be proud of yourself. And that confidence, you're gaining little step of confidence, next step next to each other. So the best thing for confidence, I have one thing, just go try stuff that you don't know yet in a joyful mindset and sports is best for it because you, you don't need someone to, you know, your boss to tell you, yeah, you did good. You can feel for yourself. You're so happy. You just did something that you were not able to do before. And the more you do go and then get better and better and better. The thing is like, try not to stay focused on the results, the, the results, yeah. but just try to stay in that playful mindset yeah. because then you get to enjoy it. It's all positive. And then nobody can tell you, you don't need to wait for someone to tell you it was good, you know, for yourself. And also you can carry that confidence in other things that you do. So no, I never got so scared that, that what people would think of it. I just like to do the things that I, I, I like to try and I'm very, and I'm curious. So I just go and I do it and then we'll see where it, get, well, where it leads me to. I just see things in that way. And same thing, I would not have started snowboarding because I thought that one day I want to become a world champion. I actually never cared about that title and I still don't. <laughs> and it's just, uh, it, it, it's not from one day to the next. I just, the more you do something, the better you get at it. The trick is to be able to keep the playful mindset for it. Ooh, that, that's a good one. That's really such a good one. Have you been surprised by the impact of the film, which you expected? <laughs> I'm getting a, a really big shiver. <laughs> I can tell you about the first time I showed the film. So I, I've, I've been working so hard. Oh, there's so many things to talk about, but okay, the first time I showed the film, there was this festival in Austria and even to get there was a bit of a nightmare and it was like so hard to get and so hard to get in the in the time to just finish the film just in time. And it was my first film, so I didn't know, th I didn't know anything about it. So every time, I, it was such a big lear learning experience and I got there. And then the first time it was on screen, it was a really big thing. It was 800 people and we really in St. Anton and it was beautiful event with all the big mountain guys, pioneers and da da da. And then the film showed on the screen and then something collapsed or something stopped working and it was, they had to stop it and they had to take everyone outside of the room. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, what did I do wrong with the film? What, you know? But then in the end, it had nothing to do with me. So thank God, but it got me to learn a lot. And then the good thing is like when they said, oh, okay, now we fixed the problem. And everyone, everyone came back in the room. So I was really, you know, you stressed. You show your film for the first time. And, and then one thing incredible happened. You know, there was all those big films of big mountaineering people. My film or, you know, our film or Landship by Women won the whole festival in front of all the other films. And it was such a mountain thing with all those men. And I was like, wow, I was really stunned. And then the next festival that had selected the film was happening in Hollywood. Whoa. <laughs> oh my God. And I was like, oh, so I called my mother. I was like, oh, mom, my, the film is showing in Hollywood. Let's take a plane ticket and let's go. Because <laughs> one day we'll, so, and then we went and the, it was the, the work of the, all those, there was 117 films in competition, all made by women. They were incredible films by actually filmmakers, like making beautiful work. And uh, when I, the one screening, that was, you know, like festivals happen with category. Yes, so that yes. one day, it was all the, like in one sort of subject, women, blah, blah, blah. And then there were, there's so many things to talk about when we talk about women in gender positions. There's so much to tell. And 
a lot of times it was really a bit heavy, emotionally a bit heavy. And the thing is, like, I think me, I didn't think so much. It's just I was just so tired of even for myself to see it at something heavy that I went the other way. I just I needed to a breath of fresh air somehow. And I think that is something that was new and also the narrative it's a mix between yes there is snowboarding and yes there is outdoors and yes there is surfing in it but it's it's actually talking about something that happened in Iceland it's it's not the subject is not snowboarding and so it's a cross between two sort of narratives that didn't really exist so much yet and so it was a something a bit new in that sense as well what happened after that has been so amazing there's been like 120 festivals around the world that have selected the film. The film has won 19 awards in festival. And then today it's actually, and that's something really crazy to me. There's like nine different plane companies that show it in their planes. And you didn't even know that it was showing on Lufthansa, I think, when I messaged no, you. No, I didn't. Like, oh, oh, which plane is it? <laughs> I didn't, but what I, I love the most about any of those events, any of those festivals, every time I get to show the film, it's been such a magical moment. I get messages like from all from all around the world from people that have seen the film and and it's such a beautiful thing that comes to my life now that I you know somehow it's just little drops of love coming from the sky I and see you. you're on the right track this is what you were born to do I don't know but I just think it's beautiful that somehow this those Icelandic women yes. that they're get they're getting to inspire women all around the world this is something that they actually say in the film like to lead by example the fact that they actually get to uh, change and make things better in theirs where in Iceland actually that example get to inspire so many other places to show that it is possible and it is positive yes. and what can we gain as a society or as a group uh, from it I find that very beautiful so I'm I mean, very lucky you know like I, if someone once asked me what, why do women need female role models and especially in these male-dominated sports. And it's, it's just simply because when we see that it is possible, then we know that we can do the same and we can try. At least, like, influence girls who are interested in trying. Because, as you said, like, it's so nice to see that, hey, it's been done in Iceland. If it can be done in Iceland, it can be done for the rest of the world. Yeah, that's, happened. that's something that happened last year, big time on the women's sports yeah. all together on the international level because you know when you talk about those things you always have people oh no that, that's not possible that's not the way things is done women are not good enough women are not women are in fear look at our bodies they're different than men men have more muscles they're stronger blah, blah, blah. but the thing is that people don't understand from inside how the sports is organized like people like for example we talk about soccer they'll say oh yeah but women they, the, the women's sports they don't fill a soccer stadium uh, stadium yeah but small things but you know a stadium doesn't fill up on itself on its own you know it's not there's it's not because there's, behind that, it. there's there's lots of things that go into play so if you don't promote it if you don't build the awareness exactly. it's not gonna happen there is massive budgets of promotion massive budgets of so many brands that support athletes there's all those brands that support medias the media talk about it always on the men's side and then the thing is like same with the you know to have people come watch your film it's the same thing you like it's it's about how you can promote it and how you can make it attractive and have actually people talking about it media etc to actually fill up the stadium and the world championship of soccer proved that that through how the whole competition, all the stadiums were full. Mm -hmm. the, the, the world championship were happening in France 
And you cannot say that people were there only to watch the French team because even when the French team got stopped in the competition, the stadiums were still full till the end. So that was just, it's always a return on investment. If you have, if you invest 100 times more money into men's sports, you will get 100 times more back. Yeah. And you need to actually, when you know, when you, we talk about in sports, you hear so much that women are not as good as men. The thing is men have been able to be funded and actually for so many years in sports, a, a very easy way to, to compare or to just to understand that. Okay, if you have professional football player that's winning millions and millions, they'll have a cook, they'll have a doctor, they'll have a kinesiologue, they'll have all the, the best training methods in the best uh, structures. Like there's so much money around them. Yes, they're really good at soccer playing and congratulations to them. It's to be a professional athlete is is something that you can be proud of. It's a lot of work and the dedication and so much going around it. But compare that to someone who's working every day and gets to train only in the evening or in the weekend. Who do you think is going to get the best chance to uh, get to the highest of its uh, sports ability? Someone who's working all week and only training in the weekends and having to pay from their work to actually go to the to finance their sports or someone who's being surrounded by like the best of the best of everything so that is what makes the difference in yeah. sports between men and women on the physical abilities so today we are not able yet to decide whether women are Fine. less or equal or better in any sports because women have gotten much less support and financial and also in as a culture to actually be able to judge the, the physical competence of the women's body because we haven't uh, supported it the same way we have supported men's today. Wow. So there is so much to be proven on the positive side that we can show because women, we are capable. There's so many sports where we see women winning competitions with men and that just shows that Yes, we are athletes just as much and we can accomplish beautiful things. And it's up to us to put the limit to where we can go. Because in my mind, there is no limit. What about male supporters? Don't you think that I know for a fact that there are so many men out there who are just also really for women. But and I mean, especially in sports, surely there must be some men out there who are for equality for women. Have you come across any or... I mean, not obviously not enough, but uh, what do you think about men stepping up as well and supporting women? I'd like to thank all the men that support women in sports and all around society, because there's no, no reason not to. And I especially want to thank the one who actually took part of that decision-making process. I'm gonna, there are some, there's not enough of them. Yes. And that is... That is a problem. Like I, I would like to see more men stepping up to that conversation because yes. if they don't, because they're not concerned by it, they feel they have nothing to do with it. One day they have a daughter. Yes. What have they done to actually bring a better environment for their future daughter? They all have women around themselves. At least they have a mother somewhere and they probably have friends and maybe a wife or maybe a girlfriend or whatever. And it's, it is their responsibility to actually look around them and just see what they can do to help their surrounding to actually access what they 
get to access. And by not talking about it, it's not going to help anything. Well, I can answer another question that it, because I, I talk so much and I apologize for everyone that's, I don't know if you want me to stop talking, but there's one question I didn't answer was um, how uh, we're making the film and everything. I'm going to say, yes, it's been difficult to make the film because it was really hard to get. Uh, we didn't get any close to the same sort of budgets that guys get to do their films. And so that's been a really big struggle because like I paid everyone that, of course I'm going to pay everyone that's working. But the thing is, as a woman, it, it was so much harder to actually get the budget to pay other people. There was one thing that was beautiful making this film. Well, one thing negative first, right now, it's almost impossible for Ball to find a woman that's a camera woman that has the right equipment to find, to, to put like that sort of images on big screens because those cameras are really expensive. The thing that happens in our sports is like when you have a small group of uh, people doing the sports, they get better and better. And then one of them is maybe not as good, but then he gets to take pictures and take and films. And then from the start, that person gets to another job and another job. And then through those uh, job opportunities, they get to invest in their equipment while they stay in the industry of doing those sort of films and videos. So at the very top level, you find many, or you find many guys that are incredible mountaineer guys that, that do that as a job and they're really good and they're incredible filmers and cameramen. Congrats to them because it's not easy and there's so much to go to it and yeah, congrats to them. But the problem is that we, there's so few women in those sports industries or on that side of the field that at today, we don't find a woman that got enough job opportunities on the filming side that got to reinvest in her equipment to be able and stay in the, in, and stay in the mountain industry. So mountaineering side of things. So that means, yes, there are women that, that are so good at filming and they're so good. And yes, there are women that are really good at, so good at mountains, but like as a thing, it's not a thing for women. So today I was not able to find a woman as a camera woman wow. that could actually follow on being outside of the slopes and actually that had the experience and that had the big cameras. But I wanted to tell the story. So what we did, we had the three cameramen that were men, but then luckily they're women photographer that you find today. When the, the first one showed up about 15 years ago, that it was also already a big struggle back then to actually get accepted that women could be really good photographers. And today there are many incredible women and they were, women have always been good, but today women get to live from it. So you can find women photographers, but not filmers. But so I wanted to tell that story with a woman. I mean, like I didn't, I wanted to be working also with a woman. So I've had, when I'm commenting a sports event, I, I comment surf, sometimes I comment webcasts for surf competitions and I presented and I'm in front of the camera and my teammates in that work is a woman, Judith Emmanuel, she's the camera woman. And it's a, it's a great work because we exchange ideas and we just build it together. And uh, she, she, she just had a baby, so she couldn't come with us to Iceland. But so I did the whole editing of the film with her. That was very special because, so she had her little baby that she was still breastfeeding. So we did all the work of the editing of the film in front of the computer uh, while her baby was sleeping. And so we'd be on the, on the computer and then we'd had the little camera, you know, the, the baby, I don't know what it's called, that when the baby wakes up and starts moving, then you have something showing up. So we'd be editing, editing, editing. And then 
oh, Milan's waking up. So then I just, I would just disappear. I would go work on my computer and do the other part of all the work that has to be done because there's so much work when you make a film. And then when she would put her baby back to sleep, for example, so we had, we were working together in the morning because she had a babysitter just in the morning. Then she would take care of her daughter until she like lunch. Then she would go for a nap. Then I would come, we'd be working through the nap. And then when her baby would wake up, she would uh, take care of her baby. I would go away. And then I would come back in the evening when she'd put the baby to sleep for the night. And that is something today that's, that's dedication. That, but in the, in, the, in the filming industry, editing is one of the few jobs that they are a lot or a lot. No, there's not a lot, but there's many women because they get to work from home. Yes. Because they're not, they don't have to be on site. They can actually adjust their timing of working, juggling with the taking care of the kids. Mm -hmm. And that is something, I, you know, it was so easy to just adjust the timing of the working with her so she could do both and taking care of her kids and bring that amazing work that she did on the, on the job. And for me, it was so special to, I was part of her life and to, to be part of that because that's something I wanted. You know, it's like all those ideas that we think, okay, so... It's the story that has a baby. She can't work. She's got a baby. So she, couldn't, she would no longer find jobs because she, she couldn't travel to those sports events. But hey, no, it's, like, it's, it's actually super easy. We just need to just adjust a bit the timing of working. And it's super easy to do. And it brought something so special. And it, meant, it means a lot to me because now every time I think about the making of the film, that's the one part that I refer to straight away because it, it was very important to be able to show that sort of example that it's, it's possible and actually make things so much easier. 100%. No, that's such, an, that's such a cool behind the scenes story, actually. So where to from here? Back to, we're just going to wrap it up now. Where to from here once quarantine is over? Do you have any other plans with the movie or where can people find it if they still want to watch it? You can go to the website, which is www.landshapedbywomen.com There are many airline companies that carry it. There is quite a few, there, you know, there is a TV in the US, there's the Icelandic TV that's also showing it. There's quite a, a few opportunities like this. Thank you so much for joining me and it was an amazing pleasure speaking to you. Thank you again for your time and just your inspiration and I wish you everything of the best. Well, thank you so much and I would like to Thank you, because the way we, uh, I'm going to tell for the people who are watching, the way we actually get to speak to each other is because you took a plane and you, you decided to watch the film on the plane and you posted something on Instagram and you tagged me in it. And thank you so much, because that is, it's such a beautiful present for me to receive those drops of love here and there, because it's just showing how we can motivate inspire and push each other to yeah. to just on the same line that we can all accomplish beautiful things and it's a beautiful beautiful thing to be connected that way so thank you so much for watching the film and thank you so much for reaching out and i hope that the ethnic women get to inspire more and more women around the world thank you for listening if you like our show you know what to do tell your best friends your mom's neighbor or the lady on the bus tell your boss and the trolls of the internet. Until next time, like, share and subscribe.